back a special guest slate d biggs of the anime mcs youtube channel what's happening slate yo what's popping lunch boxies okay okay i, I don't know what you call your mark Marin thing now <laughs> and we're gonna call them lunch boxies lunch boxers lunch buckets Ugh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> lunch buckets. Hey, lunch buckets. Um, so, so what have you been up to on your YouTube channel before we get in into it? Into it. Well, before today, I was doing the same old, same old, just covering Chainsaw Man and Kingdom manga related stuff. But today, I started a daily series that I've been working on where every day I'm putting out a video of my first impressions and my thoughts on the first or like the first one or two episodes of all of the winter 2020 anime that I'm watching. I'm trying to keep them short and I'm putting one out a day. And uh, the first one I put out about an hour and a half ago, maybe. It was on Bofody. I don't want to get hurt, so I'll max out my defense. Oh, that's the Shield uh, Girl. That's the Shield Girl anime. 
Like yeah, that, that's, that's what it, my brain registered. Shield girl. These um, isekai just—they have way too long names. They're trying way too hard to have a long name at this point. Thank you, Ori Emo, for the world you have left us with. <laughs> um. So you've been—you've watched all the first episodes of each of them, or are you going through them now? I've watched the first or second episode, if it's come out yet, of just these ten that I'm covering. I would do more videos on the other ones, but honestly, the other ones didn't seem interesting enough for me to get into. And I promise myself that every series I start this season, I'm going to finish. And I don't want to torture myself too Good much. Good luck on that, buddy! <laughs> They're all only 11 to 13 episodes, so, I mean, even if it does end up tanking, it's it can't be that bad, right? I mean, have you heard right. of a show called Handshakers? Nope. Wait, really? You, you've never yeah. heard of Handshakers? Are you being serious? Yeah. Oh, so... <laughs> I spent a lot of my life being a shonen tard. I want to say... Let... Last year, it's been wiped from my memory slightly, for reason. There was a show called Handshakers and a follow-up called, like, Wise, like, W apostrophe Z, which was a stealth sequel to Handshakers. If you're like, hey, why do we need a stealth sequel? That seems insane. It's because Handshakers was a 3D CG anime that mixed 3D CG with, like, hand shading and other nightmare qualities to create the exact right amount of CG that makes people fucking seasick when, they sit, when they're sitting in front of the screen watching it. Oh, like okay. People got physically sick watching this thing. It was also dog shit, don't get me wrong. Like, the, like doing it normal wouldn't have helped the show. But it was, like, infamous. Like, infamous. <laughs> go, well, like, go look up a clip of Handshakers. Definitely you, Slater, but also other people listening to this if you've been like, what is this Handshakers business? Sounds <laughs> like I stayed away for a good reason. Then. Yeah, probably. Like, I, I was like, oh, oh, what? <laughs> I don't think I can watch this. I think I'll puke out the contents of my lunch. <laughs> but, so that was that. So what So what 10 shows are you watching? Uh, as I mentioned, uh, the first one, Bofuti. Okay. That's an easier way to uh, call it. Keep Your Hands Off Izoken, which is okay, probably I'm watching my that favorite of the season. I'm enjoying that one the most right now. And then uh, Inspector, I think the Japanese name for it is like Kyoko Sweetie or something. Inspector is easier for me to remember. Yeah. It Invaded or ID Invaded, however you want to say I that. I like turn that on for five seconds. I'm like, ah, I need contact. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, it kind of drops you into a cold open and you have no idea what's going on at first. Yeah. And uh, same with another anime that I'm watching from this season called Pet. The first episode just really confused me, but the second one really laid stuff out, and you know, I understand it now. Okay. It, 
it was just like a mind fuck at first. Um, I'm also watching Darwin's Game, which is really reminiscent of Future Diary, in a way. And uh, yeah, it's like a King Game murder time thing, from what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's an edge fest for sure. Yeah, there's there another one that I think like a couple seasons ago that was also an edge fest. Uh, nothing's coming to mind. Yeah, I don't I don't remember what it was called. But it was like you, you get an order on your phone and if you don't do it you die and like it was all teenagers, so like naturally it was like screw this guy who's not your boyfriend, kill this person, kill your boyfriend, like all this like nonsense. Yeah. I um, like how things fusing together. Like when Future Diary was coming out, I was like, "Man, this reminds me of Eden of the East." Like if you combined it with Death Note, and now, like Future Diary is the base for like, "Oh, this reminds me of Future Diary." Yeah. But um, I'm also watching Infinite Dendrogram, which is your Bofordy is like your typical like cutesy isekai, like but it's hilarious and really cute. So that makes up for it, but Infinite Dendrogram is just like boring isekai trash. The only thing I've I've heard it's like straight, it's just like straight isekai trash. Yeah, the only thing that I think redeems the game that they're playing is that uh, the characters, if an NPC dies, they die in the game forever and it affects the game. And they don't get experience for just, like, killing off NPCs. Because let's be honest, if they leveled up and got experience for killing the NPCs, everything would be dead. Yeah, that's true. That's just how it happens. Yeah. And then um, I'm also watching this really beautiful one that has a terrible plot, but the animation makes up for it, is uh, Toilet Bound Hanako-kun. Oh, I've heard that looked really good. Yeah, it's... It's really beautiful, and I think it has potential to get better. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't want to go too much into why I disliked it, because, you know, I'm doing all these videos on it. Gotcha. And as far as ones that I'm really enjoying is, like, Pet, Keep Your Hands Off, Aizoken, Dodo He Dodo, which is a lot of CG anime. It... It's from a manga that started in 2000. Okay. And um, the CG actually doesn't look terrible. I'm oh, really Dodo Hey Dodo is like, it's that one where they bant, where they like send people to an alternate dimension where they do crazy experiments on them, right? Uh, I don't know about an alternate dimension, but, uh, and I don't know how big this whole world is. But the city that it's based in is like a dystopian, like rundown future city that's completely walled off, and all the people are pretty much in poverty, and it's trash. And the higher members of society are magic users, and they go into the city called Hull to experiment on the people. That's what it was, yeah. I remember seeing a preview of that and being like, that interesting. Yeah, it's it's looking to be dark, uh, kind of an edge fest too. But I I'm loving it. I think one episode came out, and 
in my opinion, Nikaido might be waifu of the year. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see about that. And I, I don't know if that was all ten of them. I was not keeping track. <laughs> I wasn't either, if it helps. But I'm watching a lot of them. And I'm sticking to my guns. You, you do that. I'm going to keep to my... I've got three shows, and I'm sticking to them. So, I'm watching um, Keep Your Hands Off off Eisenkuhn. And then I'm watching Psychopath because I'm a trash man with trash tastes. And then I'm watching, and you're going to look at me like, what the fuck? I'm watching this show called Smile Down the Runway. Did it come out this season or it is, is it a coming run- out right now? <laughs> okay. And it's I think Psychopath Three is a runover from last season, right? Um No, um I'm not I think it might be it might have been held by Amazon so they could have all of it because it's eight it's eight episodes, but it's eight forty five minute episodes and they're all there. Oh. Right? Different. Um but what? So you know about keep your hands off Eisenkuhn, and then um, smiled on the runway is the shonen action formula applied to modeling and fashion. Yeah, and I I grew up with that. So I I grew up in like in around fashion for a long time. And while I will say, yo, that's not how fashion works. It's still really interesting. But anybody listening to this, if you're like, oh, I want to know how the fashion industry works. The way they show it and smile down the runway is not how it works. Like, usually you don't have the, an agency representing a fashion designer. That's just not, not how it goes. Go find Paradise Kiss and watch that. That's much more accurate. But I kind of thought, like, he's probably not going to watch the show about a girl who wants to be a supermodel. You're right. <laughs> like, I did get that. I get that sense. But, um, so I'm watching those three. I think I might start watching Id Invaded, because I heard a, um... I heard a synopsis of what they're doing with that, and I'm like, ooh, that sounds cool as hell. Yeah, it's a original anime. It doesn't have a source material, and... It feels like it's, it. It's like a crime thriller. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Psychopaths, actually, but a lot of sci-fi anime are just going to remind you of Ghost in the Shell, Psychopaths, their other contemporaries. Yeah. Um... At some point, I will probably sit down and quietly, all by myself, and no one has to know, watch the Shield Girl Isekai. Man, I'm. It's actually, I'm enjoying it a lot. <laughs> like I, I put out my video today, and I gave the first couple episodes a eight out of ten. <laughs> nice. Because I'm enjoying it. It's funny. It's cute. And. I mean, it doesn't really have to be much else. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I've heard about it, but I'm just like, oh, that seems adorable. More isekai. Yeah. 
But um, Isekai. And uh, and also, everything I've heard about Shield Hero just makes that show seem kind of morally bankrupt and awful in my brain. I hear good things about Shield Hero. Like, so, like, I hear good things about Shield Hero, but then, like, I so here's the way I would put it: I hear good things about Shield Hero from a certain segment of fandom, and then from a to- from like another angle, I hear that like, hey, maybe Shield Hero is super sexist. And super creepy, and just like quietly okay with like nice guying it up. And I'm like, I don't think I want to sit through this show. Hmm. I don't. I find that like, all right. So this is gonna get a little political for a second. Okay. Um, I find that a lot of people in the New York. In like Los Angeles areas, kind of live in like a weird echo chamber bubble, where like I get it, you want everything in the world to be right and perfect, and you don't want to judge people and all of the stuff that like someone from the middle of the country would look at that and be like, those freaking SJW liberals. Yeah, and like I I get both sides because I let's. Like, I got to be honest, I grew up around a lot of racism and, like, just crazy bullcrap. Like, well, you're living from in Missouri, country, right? Yeah. Living in the middle of the country is crazy. Like, I, I, I live barely an hour away from St. Louis where shit is going down constantly. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm sure. I've, 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 I've been to, like, the middle of the country, the south. I know. Like, so... A comedian, I forget what said it was, but a comedian said one time, like, it is a scientific fact that if you are a person of color and you set foot in the South for no less than 15 minutes, someone will someone will be racist to you. Just somehow it will happen. I'm like, that can't be true. That seems insane. And, like, no, I was in I disagree it, with that. What did he say? I said, no, I disagree with that. Like, they, a lot of comedians push concepts of jokes to be, like, more extreme, so yeah. it's funny. But, um, like, you do come across a lot of people that were just raised that way, and yep. they grew up around it, so they think it's okay still. And they just, they don't know any better. So, um, like, me watching something like Berserk, um, is a lot different probably than someone that grew up in Los Angeles watching Berserk. Yeah, maybe. Like a lot of people I'm around did look at Griffith and be like, saying all kinds of shit about him. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it gets to the middle of the series and like Casca gives that little... uh that that little backstory to Griffith and I I had no idea about that. I was like, wait, what? Huh? What what is happening? Well d- so d- and don't get me wrong, once again, before we started recording and like the test recording, I said, I'm a trash man 
who sometimes has trash needs. So I watched the entirety of shows like Queen's Blade. That entire show, it's just like, do you, would you like to objectify women? If so, we have something to show you. <laughs> <laughs> and like, honestly, I, and I'm sure many other anime fans, accept that as part of the deal. Like, we're fine with that. Like, we're not going to not watch Kill the Kill because there's titties in it. Yeah. And but, I, I want to clarify, I was like, I was bringing up that middle of the country stuff because I'm saying I grew up around a lot of unfair treatment and I see both sides of the coin, but that doesn't mean that I think it's okay and I don't indulge in it. You know, like, no, I, think I totally get that. I believe me, I totally get that. Any reason, I'm just saying that, like, stuff like that, maybe I've been a little more numbed to it. Because yeah, I'm just not. That makes sense. Or I'm around it too much. That, that, I mean, that makes total sense. But what I was saying is, something. What I heard about Shield Hero at a certain point was that it wasn't like it was. It'd be one thing if it was just doing it and it was part of the tropes and it was like the tropes of an isekai harem thing, but it, from what I've heard, goes, like. A step farther, like uh, it, it, all of a sudden, like oh, we're doing this now, so we're gonna keep going down this road, and we are going to indulge in it. And it's just like, what, wh- why, why, why are we doing this? Yeah, I got the feeling like they wanted to replicate something like Log Horizon, um, some something like Log Horizon or Sword Art Online or Konosuba and like put a more serious spin on it but not be as edgy as Overlord. Yeah. And and like and like oh, the two ends of the spectrum in my brain are Log Horizon and Sword Art Online. Like they are <laughs> like the two the the two pendul the two ends the pendulum swings between like log horizon is like so we understand you have a brain and you are interested in entertaining that brain please so, uh, lend us your ear and then sort of online is like I don't know second season what if this very confident female character was just trapped in a cave and maybe raped for no reason, we could have just done away with that, but eh. And then, and then we're gonna ratchet it up another another level in the new season, and we're just gonna show you a rape because we can. And like, like, like the end of Berserk. <laughs> but see, the thing about Sword Art Online is like afterwards, the author came out and he's like, yeah. I do keep fucking this up. Maybe I should, like, not do this bullshit anymore, because maybe it's not... Maybe this isn't okay. Yeah, we could honestly probably do a whole podcast on Sword Art Online, and we could do a whole separate podcast on something more new, like Keep Your Hands Off Izokin, 
Yeah. And I feel like we've been talking about isekai pretty much this whole time. But uh, this is not an episode about isekai. That is true. Um, We should introduce what we're actually trying to talk about. (laughs) We got got thrown off track by new shit. (laughs) So we're actually here to talk about the... Do you only want to talk about the first season or the first and second season? Of... Oh, we can talk about all of it. I'll I was just, gonna say, like, like thinking about, it, I'm like, we should really talk about all of Mob Psycho because it yeah. all like weaves together and whatnot. So we're here to talk about Mob Psycho 100. So, what's your experience with this show? Because you you were like Mob Psycho 102 is the top thing for me this this season this year this freaking decade and you're not the only person who I've heard say that uh the decade i think for the decade i put it at number 3 and that's sad cuz i made the list recently so i should remember <laughs> where i put everything but um yeah mob psycho is definitely up there of 2019 i think mob psycho 2 overall that came out and uh i'm not talking about shows that were airing during 2019 if it started in 2018 it doesn't count for me so like jojo's part five would probably be number one but it started in 2018 yeah i i i got that you gotta have rules to maintain like your sanity yeah um so honestly I was late to getting to Mob Psycho until this year. I did not watch the first season until around the time the second season finished, and then I just binged it all at once. Okay, yeah, that would have a like a really different effect in my brain because it's a different, it's like a whole different thing when you take it all together. And I get why, but I get why you would do that. Yeah, and it's not by choice. It's just when the first season was coming out, I was busy with a lot of stuff, and I wasn't watching as many anime. In uh, 2018, I really put the pedal to the metal, and I started actually paying attention to what was coming out every season. And uh, that was after Mob Psycho had already aired. Okay, yeah. it It was like late. 2018 when I jumped really hard back into it 2019 is really when I was watching as much of the stuff that I was interested in as I could but uh Mob Psycho is just something that I think there's a little something in there for everyone yeah I'd agree with that I mean I so and there's a lot of layers into it like um For instance, Mob Psycho, I feel like the overall message of it is something that's really important, is that there are things that individual people can and can't do, and that doesn't make you any less or any better than anyone else. And just because you can or can't do something that someone else can doesn't mean that you are worth any less or more as a person. Um, The people that have 
the psychic powers use them as an advantage to think that they're above everyone else when, you know, they're really just compensating because while they have this amazing power, someone like Mob just wants to feel something. He wants to be involved. He has amazing powers, but he can't run a mile. He can't talk to girls. There's a lot of other things that he can't do, and he spends a lot of the time judging himself and not just accepting himself really for who he is. And you see a lot of that struggle with his younger brother, Ritsu, who is jealous of Mob for his powers. But Ritsu's popular. He, you know, he has no problem talking to girls. He's athletic. He's everything that Mob wants to be. And vice versa, you know. Yeah, and And, and that's reflected in, like, Mob joining the Body Improvement Club. I love the Body Improvement Club. The Body Improvement Club is fucking great. Fucking great. Yeah, man. I love in that first season whenever Mob comes across uh, his first real psychic battle where he actually has to use his powers against someone, even though he refuses to. He kind of snaps and it just happens. Yeah. He didn't want to do that at all. But, man, whenever the Body Improvement Club found out that... (laughs) Um, he'd basically been kidnapped. They were down, dude. They rolled up. <laughs> Body improvement. I, so, do you, do you know the backstory of um one of like One Punch Man, Mob Psycho, all that stuff? Um, I know that they both started as web comics, and they're both kind of satirical plays on the genre that they're doing so exactly and um the original art one one punch man was actually like adopted was basically like was originally a comic called on pond man and then became one punch man ultimately and the Author of Yu Yu Hakusho. What did you say? I Shield Twenty One. The the author of I Shield Twenty One was like, "Hey, this is really good. It's written really well, but you draw for shit. Let me help you." <laughs> yeah, and that's what that's why it looked the way it does, and like they gave it to Studio Madhouse, and it was great for a season. And then they gave it to, I think, A1 Pictures. And then um, Genesis um, Arms Stanton became a thing. thing. What'd you say? I think the second season of One Punch Man was J.C. Staff. Oh, it was J.C. Staff. And Genesis Arms became Nightmares. And I made yeah. it to episode two. And I'm like, I can't stare at them anymore. Uh, a lot of people hated one punch man season two strictly for the cut and animation quality but as far as the character writing goes and the actual plot i think in my opinion it was loads better well from i mean i've read some of the original manga past the point like in that 
section, and that section is so the the first season with the way the first season goes, it really is a parody of the like shonen action show, but in like the second season stuff is where it actually starts to get into being just a standard shonen action show. So it no longer it's no longer really a parody. It's more in the same vein as, but with less. But it takes itself way less seriously. And there are still these great gags, but the setup, instead of being like a chapter, can be like ten chapters long. Yeah, I feel like um, as far as the writing goes, One Punch Man really started to hit its stride around the time the season two content started. And uh, my opinion on Mob Psycho is that uh, I'm pretty sure he started Mob way after One Punch Man, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure, but I would imagine, yeah. Because I feel like he took his his writing and his ability to write a character that feels real, and which is something that isn't really in One Punch Man, because let's be honest... Who relates to Pooty Pooty Prisna? Not That's me. Not wrong. That's not wrong. <laughs> Pudi Pudi. But uh, and I'm, also, I'm sure there are a lot of people that relate to Pooty Pooty Prisna. I take that back. Well, <laughs> no. So this is so. Remember when you said earlier that like people in the middle of the country would just dismiss certain things and be fine with it? Pooty Pooty Prisna for a long time was the reason that One Punch Man still might be the reason that One Punch Man was not on primetime television. Because Pooty Pooty Prisoner is this, like, very specific kind of gay stereotype that the Japanese just, like, pump out into the world. Like, every once in a while, you're like, oh, they did it again. Okay, super masculine, very overbearing gay man. And it's just, like, I remember when that show was coming out and, like, the episode with Pori Pori Prisoner showed up, and you know, and everybody was like, "Well, we were hoping this would get on Toonami, but now that will just never happen." Thank you. It did. <laughs> it made its way to Toonami. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like eventually, because they, they like was just like, "Okay, fine, put it on late enough, and nobody will care." Um, Mob but... Psycho is full of like characters that are so real and relatable, and he really hit a stride in his ability to write with Mob Psycho. And honestly, I think Mob Psycho is way better than One Punch Man. I do too. I, I, I totally agree with that. So, um, if One Punch Man is, like, trying to deconstruct your typical overpowered shonen action hero, what... Mob Psycho is trying to do is it's trying to deconstruct Kimigiri Orange Road? <laughs> Which is a really weird sentence that just came out of my face. So, <laughs> Slater, do you have any experience with the psychic high schooler genre of anime? Um, Which is a real genre, I, I promise. <laughs> I feel like there's a show or two, but I can't recall them right now. The Railgun series is, like, a big one. Oh, I've stayed far away from Railgun. 
and like magical index and i i'm gonna be honest i haven't watched a single fate series and i apologize if anyone hates me for (laughs) that but here lies here lies the grave of of slate d biggs (laughs) killed by tight moon (laughs) um (laughs) with an internet pawn (laughs) But so that doesn't mean I hate it, you know. I just oh look, he's I... back. He wasn't dead. He was asleep. Oh, I was about to make. I was about to say something real bullshit. I was gonna say there's just too much of it, but I keep up with One Piece manga, so that is that is true. But so <laughs> just to have that. an idea, the like psychic high schooler is like not just a trope, but there are whole shows about just like psychic high school kids who do all kinds of psychic shit from like the mid to late 70s to like the middle of the 90s that was a thing and the premise of Mob Psycho is based off of that it it doesn't have like it does have that connection the same way what one Punch Man has a connection to Shonen action series. And, but is it the thing that one that Mob Psycho does manages to avoid that I don't think that One Punch Man managed to avoid is Mob Psycho manages to avoid turning into a straight man version of one of those shows. So like One Punch Man eventually is just a shonen action show. Yeah, it because stopped, it, it stopped being a parody and then just itself. It just like it's like, but what if we did this really well? Mob Psycho 100 isn't interested in doing that at all. It's like, what if we just like told this story about this really reserved, really fucking like panic attack wow. adult child. Like Mob is lost. He uh he doesn't feel a lot of emotions and he doesn't really have any idea of like who he really is as a person and what he wants to be. And it's hilarious that Mob's role model and moral compass is Reagan. Well, I I think I mean like it it's hysterical, but it so, have you ever seen the Ocean's Eleven movies? Nope. With, um, what's his face? Um, Brad Pitt and George Clooney? No, I haven't. But, anyway, so, and these, the, the like, that franchise is older than them making those three movies, but. The idea there is that they are these, like, cool, charismatic con men criminals. And even though they're, like, just straight up pulling crimes, like, you want to be them in in that movie, in those movies. Because they're, like, everything you're not all the time. They just happen to, like, steal from casinos and shit. And it's really easy, like, have you ever seen a bad guy in a show you like better than the good guy? 
tons of them. <laughs> no, exactly. I usually end up gravitating more towards the antagonists and the psychos and, you know, just the uh, the off-hinged people because they're more interesting to me. And, you know, in in society, the best way the best way to like be a good person is to try and fit in and like be like inoffensive basically and that's that's super true in Japan like, quote unquote normal yeah normal exactly so like if you were like a middle school kid and you're just like stuck in Japanese like middle school and this guy just rolls up and he's like a total confident con man. You'd be like, "Oh man, this guy, this guy's got it, got it going. I want to be like him." Well, yeah, Mob was like lost, and Reagan was kind of his last resort to help him control his powers because he honestly didn't want them, even though that's the only thing that really makes him like kind of special in a way uh from the outside but um reagan is like his identity is really tied to his relationship with mob too because you you get into reagan's backstory and you see like how down and out and lost he was and how the business that he just started up his like little uh spirit detective thing whatever you're gonna call it was not going well. He was actually going to close it up on the day that Mob walked in. Yeah. He was closing his door. And, and, and uh, Reagan, like, he he tries so hard to play it cool and act like he knows exactly what's going on and how to solve everything. But he, even though he doesn't and he doubts himself and you can laugh at it, but he's also like a really deep, complex character. And like, I made my own list of like my favorite anime characters of the year. And Reagan tops it out by far. I think I put mob at like number three or four. He was pretty high up there too. Cause I feel like you have to put them together, but Reagan himself is just like, He's a monster of a character. He's so hilarious. And, like, you're just, like, gravitated towards him. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing I like... So... I said I said before the break, before we started recording proper, that I have, am being slowly dragged back down into the hole that is Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. And if you've never seen Gundam Iron Blood Orphans, a self plug, I did an episode on it that you can go listen to somewhere in the feed. A bunch, like a bunch of episodes back at this point, like maybe, maybe a year or two back. Um, but the the interesting thing about basically all Gundam shows but especially Iron-Blooded Orphans, is that 
all the bad guys are these, like, super highly politically powerful, like, royalty, and they, and the world tells them they're special at all times, but in, especially in Ironblood Orphan's cases, the Gundam pilots are never that. They are fucking, like, orphans, runaways, all these, like, just, like, the, what, Society would see as like the tossed aside people. Kind of like Ava. What did you say? I said kind of like Ava with uh, Oscar. Ava is a little different because Ava is basically all of those characters' mothers plotting to live forever. <laughs> Through their children, which is another creepy move. Um, of the many in that show. So, like, yes, yes, they feel tossed aside, but that's, like, part of the game plan for that fucking show. So they are, which is why they're called, like, the chosen children kind of thing. Yeah. Because as soon as they become children, they become these, like, precious things that can't be wasted. Um, except if you're Gendo Akari and an asshole. Um, but <laughs> the the thing with Gundam Ironblood Orphans is like the main antagonist bad guy for at least the beginning of the show is this very talented, very high-ranking, like member of the space police, basically. Um, of of the Royal Space, like, police force, basically. And his opponent is this, like, not quite preteen, he's not that young, maybe he's, like, I think 14, 15 at the beginning of the show. And he's, like, they call they call them like street rats, like from Aladdin. Basically, he is this thrown away human debris character who can't even read. Oh, okay. And basically, everyone except for the main bad guy, who's like, no, this kid is like instinctually like will fuck me up if I'm not careful. It's like, how the fuck do people keep losing to this kid? Because in their brains, they're like, I'm too important. For some, like, worthless piece of human trash to beat me. And the thing about Mob Psycho specifically is... All of the other psychics you meet in the show... Have that same, like, air of self-importance. They're like, no, I'm important. Because I'm powerful. And nobody can beat me. And Mob's just like, done. Yeah, it's like they lack everywhere else in life, and these powers really are strong, and they do give them a physical, well, not a physical physical, but from like a overall like how much you can destroy standpoint, they can fuck a lot of people up. So they're taking advantage of it, and it's just another thing that they use to think that they're above everyone. Uh, going back to our conversation at the beginning when we started, 
Um, similar to how someone could take the color of their skin and put them above other people that have more melanin in their skin. Yeah. Because I, I honestly couldn't tell you why. <laughs> I, I don't know what the fuck makes somebody think that that makes them better than anyone. But uh, it, it's all about understanding and communication. Like, if a psychic would take the time to try and be a quote-unquote normal human, um, they would relate to them a lot more, but they distance themselves because a lot of the time they're kind of outcasts, kind of like a... Man, I'm having trouble remembering this guy's name. The, uh, the dude with the umbrella at the end of season two. It started with an S. Oh... Oh yeah, the the main bad uh no, um He was the main bad guy's lackey. It was the main bad guy's lackey and he was he was uh Hikikomori. And the bad yeah, guy gives he, him the umbrella as like his safety blanket basically. Yeah, and uh I he ended that, up yeah. He ended up working uh well starting to work in Reagan's office uh at the end of the last episode. So have have you watched uh, have you watched the OVA? Ooh, I was about to ask you if you've seen the OVA. Yes, yeah, I, I've seen, like, the first thing I did when I was done was like, ooh, ooh, there's an OVA. <laughs> I'm so happy. Yes, it was so good. Oh, my God. Like, that guy's relationship with Reagan is hilarious. And, I love uh, how he just has constant like, anxiety and he has notes in his sleeve and he's just like, huh, 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 okay, well. What the heck just happened? Are you good? Alex. Sorry, I just dropped my headphones. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I uh I turned my phone screen off because it's like my battery's really low and I'm trying to save on it so I make it through this. But so I didn't see what the heck happened. Yeah, I was oh, like, I oh my god, my hand did up. he just fall out of his chair? <laughs> I threw my hands up and like my whole headset just went flying backwards, which was, it didn't make too much noise, like it didn't crash, cause. It's connected by a cable to my actual computer because this was <laughs> on a... my end. It sounded like everything was crashing. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure because I'm like like it like hung itself and smacked again. I'm that's gonna be a fun time. I especially since I don't edit for audio. I just like make our voices sound better and then throw it up. Yeah, but um. Anyway, it's just like. The, the, the notes in his sleeve, and he's like, okay, boss. Oh, yeah, and when he, like, whips out the note, it's, like, really epic. <laughs> and, uh, man, so spoiler alert, if anyone hasn't seen the OVA, I personally didn't even know it came out until recently, and I watched it. But, um, that's my fault for not keeping track of things. I use, um... um so so I, they go on a trip. Yeah. They go on a trip. Uh, to solve this lady's problem, her resort is not doing well, and people are getting trapped in some alternate dimension on their way there. And if you ask me, uh, I don't know how many 
I don't know how that many people could fall asleep uh, on the train on the way there. Have you? But apparently, on, everyone sleeps on the train. Have you ever been on like a commuter train? No, you live in an area where like um, local transportation is good. <laughs> no, no, and, and that's why I'm asking because it's a real, it's a real question. Unless you, li- unless basically yeah. you live in New York, in America. It's- it's like, have you ever been on a commuter train? What you do on commuter trains, because it's so, like, it's so streamlinedly managed, like, they tell you where their stop is, the conductor will wake you up, it's basically, you fall the fuck asleep, and you have, like, a, I, in my case, if I want to go from where I live in New Jersey to New York right now, it's a 50-minute ride, where I can't do much, so I just take an hour-long nap. Well, that's not bad. Like, like it, it's it's basically reality enforced sanctioned nap time. <laughs> I would like, I don't know, maybe it's just my perception, but I feel like I would be scared to sleep on a train because I'd wake up with like a bunch of bully stock trader dudes like kicking my ass. So, <laughs> like Joker. When I was, um, because I, I used to work in and out of the city all the time. Um, and you would occasionally see those guys. But usually those guys are less, like, who are macho bullshit than they would have you believe. Usually, like, after they're done working, they go and they do what everybody else on the train does. They either read, play Game Boy, or go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> those are, like, for a long time, those were the three things. Or 3DS or whatever. Um, but so, we were... Um... We were sitting in the train. I think we had to... What it was is we were sitting in the train in a different station because it was, there was like a... There was a track fire, which isn't dangerous to people, but you can't drive a train over it either. Um, so I probably would choose not to do that. Yeah. So we had to like go to a different station that you could get like a... We had to take a different train to a different station to take the big train to go home. And so this train was packed, and I was sitting on this, like, transfer train with a bunch of people. And these two stockbrokers walk up, and they're like, Hey, bro, what's going on? And they, like, chest bump and, like, high-five the most stock bro you've ever seen in your life. And, like, I just instinctively just went, like, and everybody else in the train car just cracks up because they felt the exact same way. They're like, that was disgusting. <laughs> it was... Damn, I, and people think we're nerds for like an anime. Th- that was like... So... A long time ago, like years ago, there was a practice in stock... in um trading in um, brokerage firms, like trading, like hedge funds and stuff, of doing what's called icing somebody. Which is, you know that beer Natty Ice? That like shitty alcoholic bullshit Natty Ice? Yeah. um, We, uh, I don't know if there's an ice version of it. I know there's a light version of it. Like, uh, that's like, you'll get made fun of for drinking something like that around a lot of areas where I am, because people are like, oh, you, you want a natty light? Yeah, <laughs> d- yeah, like that. 
But, um... So basically, they would like in a restroom, in like the restroom of the of the office, somebody would surprise you with this thing, and you'd have to drop down to one knee like you're proposing to your girlfriend and chug it on the spot, and then get up and walk, go back to work. That's the kind of bullshit that was going on in some of these places. It was like seeing that culture in front of you, and like we all had to be like, "Oh, this is awful." I didn't know they still that this still existed. Fuck. <laughs> but my point is well, that, like, generally speaking, lots of people sleep on trains. Yeah, luckily there was no shenanigans like that in this OVA. But uh, basically, there is some kind of like alternate dimension hole that the family that runs the bathhouse. Um, or ski lodge, whatever it was. Yeah, they kind of had their own psychic abilities, and they could plug the hole up. But the head of the bathhouse had a cold, so the ability to you know keep a good lock on the alternate uh dimension was weakened. So if you're sleeping on the train when you ride through the uh, is it? I think it's Iwogami. Or, yeah, yeah, we ride through the Iwagami Tunnel. Yeah, um, you get sucked into the alternate dimension, and Reagan and Sagahara. I I can't remember this guy's name. Oh, we we, we can just call him. We can just call him Sagahara for now. What <laughs> whatever it was, but uh, they go into the alternate dimension, and it turns out that the other dude can just like wake up whenever he wants and what? he doesn't want to crush reagan's uh yet like he doesn't want to make reagan feel bad so he leaves it up to him to try and solve the mystery of the alternate dimension but also <laughs> he like comes back with problem. snacks and stuff and reagan's just pissed off he's like you can leave why what? can't i leave yeah, that was it was hilarious the first time because he was like, oh, sorry, I, I started watching TV and I took a bath. And he was like, man, that guy's going crazy. <laughs> and, and then he leaves again and Reagan starts breaking down and like scratching Reagan was here on the floor. And he goes so insane. He attempts suicide by jumping out of the train and he flies back into the train. And he's just like, he's done with it. And then the dude walks back in in like a full bathrobe and like uh, buns. <laughs> and it's 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 really it's really good. It's oh yeah, so... it was it's hilarious. And there's a tiny action scene whenever they bring Ma Britsu and uh, man, what's the blonde haired kid's name? Oh, I forgot his name. I'm a little embarrassed. I can't remember his name. No, this happens to me all the time. Like, I'll watch, I'll watch a whole show, and I'll, like, have notes and, like, stuff up, and I'm, like, looking stuff up like a moron. Don't worry about it. Well, it sucks, because I think that kid is also one of my favorite characters, just based on how his relationship starts with Mob, and how he's, you know, one of the first conflicts. I love that they, they don't give you the answer about his bald spot. 
oh yeah and they only touch on it a couple times and then like it's just gone like they don't mention it again no but so you, you would know this you remember the um episode of naruto uh, the early episode of naruto where they like try to see kakashi's mask like what's under it and they spend a whole episode on that yeah, I feel like Mob Psycho, if it was a long-running anime, it could totally pull off a whole episode of that. But and it would be hilarious. The thing I kind of loved was they, like, they did it in the way that, like, a normal human would. Like, you would obsess over, like, I can't read that person's t-shirt until that person was, like, out of view and you didn't care anymore. So, like, as soon as it was no longer important... Like, Mob and Ritsu were just like, ah, we don't care. And the show was like, ah, we don't care. He's washing his hair and he's got all the soap on top of his head. And, and then, then he comes he's got the towel sitting the there. He's got the towel on it. <laughs> and then they just never come back to it. You never find out either. It's just the best. Yeah, man, I really hope they do a Mob Psycho Season 3. I don't see why they wouldn't. But I also don't know how much content is in the webcomic that one did but then again i don't think mob psycho needs that i don't because like just based like we're gonna be honest here or i'm gonna be honest one's art um it gets you by you can understand like kind of how a character looks but as far as like details and backgrounds, there's not much. So he, uh, there's a lot left to be desired in one's art, and uh, you you really gotta give a hand to the director of Mob, who like if a different guy did season one and two, or is the same guy, whoever did it, they did a fucking fantastic job, and all the animators, man, kudos to them because it's wonderfully like beautiful all the way through. Well, the the so the reason why JoJo's looks the way JoJo's does is because the author's original art is like it, it is based on Italian sta- statues basically. So it it's really difficult to animate. It's really difficult to keep consistent and like it's a Herculean task and a miracle that we keep getting more seasons of JoJo's. I mean, think about it. It's popular enough for them to say to, for like Studio David or David Productions yeah. to, it, to keep being worth it for them to keep making that freaking show at that quality. That's insane. It's got to be hard. Like, I, I've plowed through a lot of JoJo's. And, uh, but man, really hats off to them too. They're, they're doing something godly. On the flip side, the thing about, um, Mob Psycho is the reason why they took the original art style, why they didn't like jazz it up the way One Punch Man was jazzed up is because that original art style it's so easy to animate because the silhouettes are so much are so much simpler and that's what lets them do things like the most like the two two of the most beautiful opening sequences 
kind of an anime because oh yeah i'm glad you brought up the openings they just like talk about they have because they're not because they don't have to like chisel out a jaw every cell (laughs) they have the like brain space and the time to like do that incredible fucking like cutting a building in half sequence in the season two opening or basically both openings are so like it... the season one ep- opening i was like how does it get better than this there's no way and then they and do then the carousel i got to season two and i was like oh my god they did it so i um couple months ago because we're we're moving which means i got a new studio um i went out and i got those new sono speakers from ikea which are great they're like a hundred dollars a piece or something and i got two of them for a surround sound system that i will ultimately build for my like fancy studio setup of i can watch anime on a nice huge screen with great sound and I, but I set them up on either side of my, like, anime-watching chair. And that was one of the first shows that I watched after I got it. And holy crap, I was like, I'm in it! This entire show, I'm in it! This is great! Because <laughs> they, they get, like... They get people to write really great music for it. The opening is, like... The opening is like, okay, we haven't used CGI at all. What if we just poured CGI onto the show and saw what happened? <laughs> for like oh, two it seconds. Looks so good. It's so beautiful. And, and it, I like how many references there are to episodes like flying around and hidden in the opening that you don't even realize until you get there. Like yeah. the the broccoli. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and like how that happens was wild. Like there's a garden that is taken over by an evil spirit. And instead of getting paid with the harvest, the farmer can't do that because all the crops got destroyed and he gives Reagan a bunch of seeds. So he pays a mob with a bag of broccoli seeds that apparently he just leaves in his pocket Okay, for so- the whole series. This is really disturbing. I want you to get ready for this. I have a I have a really old friend from college who is actually from Japan. Like she she was born there, grew up there. Oh my god, that is disturbing. But that's not the disturbing part. When you go to school in <laughs> Japan because most public schools have a uniform, you think they would give you like a uniform for every day of the week so you could wash them. They don't do that. They give you two uniforms. Sometimes one. So, and you have to wear your uniform every freaking day. Yeah, I mean, you get a chance to wash it every other day when you get home, and I mean... But, like, from what I heard from my friend... Lots of people just did not. Uh, Sometimes. For many weeks at a time. 
I didn't think it'd be that big of an issue because, I mean, you're sitting in an air-conditioned building. The only time you're really out in the heat and the elements is on your way to and from school. And in, like, gym or whatever, yeah. When you go to gym, you're not wearing, like, your school uniform. They have complete separate clothes. Yeah. But But that um, doesn't mean that they make them shower after gym. But what I'm saying is... I know we didn't in my public school. It's entirely possible that those seats just sat there for the entire time. Oh, yeah. See, I was thinking, like, if he washed his coat. Yeah, it's entirely possible. He just didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Like, I only thought about that now because I was like, huh? Well, wait a minute. (laughs) They were in, they were in there the whole time. (laughs) But, um, the other really great, so that, demonstrates something that mob does really that mob psycho does really really well is that there is no power creep to the show mob is always the strongest thing in the show that's not the point of the show but in order to keep everything straight they have to be really consistent so the broccoli seeds he gets are from literally episode one of the of the um second season and they finally come into play on the final episode. <laughs> so they kept that thread all the way through. In a beautiful way. It, it, it just, it's a really, really, really excellent um, implementation of of a show. Um, so the other thing about this is, is that Studio Bones does this show and they do um, My Hero Academia. Oh, God. <laughs> For, but from what I know of the way that they deal with writing this, this adaptation of My Hero Academia is the reason why that show always starts with like a filler episode every season is because they write it from back to front, and then they figure out where they need, like, more of something or less of something. And that's how they figure out, like, where they're going to put, like, an OVA or a filler episode. And they use a filler episode at the beginning to kind of, like, lead you back into it before they get into the story proper. And... With mobs, they clearly pay so much attention to the stories, they keep track of, like, they keep track of all the characters all the time. Like, it feels like when a character shows up, they're really showing up for, like, like they were doing something beforehand, and now they're here. Not just, like, the show needed them, so they rematerialized. Yeah, they're always sprinkled in here and there. Like, um, the kids that were being tested on and actually became psychics, uh, they stick around. Yeah, like that guy who's, like, a spirit-capturing guy when he's captured the spirit of the evil, dead psychic in a little bottle. And in, like, the climax of the show when the, like, evil plant psychic guy breaks the bottle, he's like, Oh man, I can't control that one. That one's fucked up. I'm leaving. I'm done. And he just like 
the evil spirit dude come back and just fucks everything over. It's just like, oh, yeah. it's really, really excellent. It's an excellent attention to continuity that lots of anime just don't do very well. Man, I gotta say that episode when they introduced that psychic, that dead psychic you were just talking about is probably one of my favorites. Like, as far as, um, like, Mob gets trapped in that world for a long time. And he's trying to, like, break Mob. And, like, he just completely flips Mob around. And then I think it's Dimple that comes in and gets Mob's senses back. At first, I thought I was going to get really sick of Dimple, but he grew on me. He's uh, really fun so, to have around. I think he brings a great dynamic. I watched it dubbed. Yeah, because Dimple's dubbed voice is really good. Oh, yeah. Because they give, they, and I don't. So I know from when. So Netflix, is Reagan's. Yeah, Reagan's dub voice is really good. Reagan's got a good con man voice. Um, and I know, I know that, like, Japanese studios have approval over that kind of shit. So, like, it's very clear that, like, Dimple is the narrator of the show because that's the way it is in the um, subtitled version. And I rarely advocate for dubs or subs, even though last times I watched dubs, because I like to draw while I'm watching anime, and if I have to read it, I can't look at what I'm drawing. Yeah, Um, you gotta pay attention to it, or else you're basically just not even watching it. Yeah, but the the dub of this show... It's really excellent. It's it. They do a really good job with like lip flaps, the tone of the characters, all that stuff. And like, the, my favorite voice is the guy who's the head of the body improvement club. I just love that. That character is like from a different show, but he's Kage-yama. in this show. <laughs> it's really good. Um, so what's your favorite thing about mob psycho like what what made you think like put it at the top of your list for this year uh probably what we opened the podcast with um i was talking about how you know there's things that make you special in your own way but that doesn't mean that you're below or above anyone because there's certain things you can or can't do and uh, Mob is really out there to find worth in his life somewhere besides having extremely crazy psychic powers. Yeah. I and I think, I think Mob Psycho does that really well. And it's something that One Punch Man touches on, but doesn't do as well. Like, clearly, Saitama, he's bored. He doesn't really find any thrill in life. And funny enough, his biggest challenge in life is trying to be king at video games. And he just can't. Well, the, like, so the, the thing, the reason why, I should put this, sometimes 
the art an artist creates is has a quality in it that's better than anything else they could possibly that better than anything else about it. Um, so, uh, somebody like Tim Burton, for example, he has this like mastery of like feel and tone that he's perfect at, even though all of his art looks like you know emo teenager dream dreamscapes yeah. basically it's and there's certain things that you do even if you've technically gotten more skilled and you have more experience there's something that you make that just resonates with people yeah like and, uh in tim burton's example like he's never gonna make anything more impactful than nightmare before christmas you're probably right um but for one as a as a web comics author he's really interested it seems like to me in making shows about like emotional states not necessarily things about web com comics or web comics about like these long running about these long running like epic tales so if you look at one punch man that show is about depression. <laughs> that show is what it's is about the kind of like daily malaise depression that like people just have once they've set into their lives. And like you know every mm, Mob Psycho might touch on that a little better than what Punch well, Man does, well, I think. I think what Mob like, Psycho is about is it's about it's about validation, if that makes any sense. Like, if One Punch Man is about, like, the kind of depression that is, that can feel inescapable, then Mob Psycho is about, like, when you're a kid and you get, you get an idea in your head of, this is how I want to live my life, and it's the, and you are tried and, people try and test you constantly. And yes, you like shift a little bit, but ultimately you get to a place where you are comfortable. Where you you are comfortable as a person and in your own skin and all that stuff. But life and keeps you, pushing like, back at you. Yeah, you slowly get more and more absorbed into the world that you've created for yourself. And um, they really break it down with like the Hikikomori character and then the struggling punk uh, Onigawara who ends up joining the Body Improvement Club. Yeah. And that was great. <laughs> I really like that guy a lot. The um... A lot of the characters are struggling with their own mental state. And... They're finding a kind of solace in um, connecting with other people. Yeah, I, I, I would totally agree with that. And kind of the reason why I asked if you wanted to do like one episode, because you had originally suggested one episode on the first season, one episode on the second season. Why I wanted to ask you if you wanted to do both at once is because the first season is all about like, breaking mob down piece by piece by piece by piece and saying like no talk to people no 
care about people. No. Be there for your little brother. No. Rescue your little brother. Like, do these things. It's breaking him down from becoming, like, the titular, like, badass psychic character that is the ultimate bad guy in Season 2. And then what Season 2, I think, is doing is building him up to, like, plug him into his own life and say, like, no, it's 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 fine that you're not doing anything fantastic and amazing all the time. It's fine that you have friends. It's fine that you say to your, like, kind of shitty, <laughs> fucked up boss that, like, hey, no, I have a life. I want to go bowling with my friends. Yeah, it really helps them that that other guy also joined. But um, Mob is building himself up in season two, and he's finding himself. And if you notice in the OVA, he seems a lot more comfortable than he did the whole series. Oh, totally. And I I think that was the point of that. So, and um, I think I remember the blonde haired dude's name i i want to say it's hanayama i think you're right that's, that sounds familiar we're terrible we're terrible at this <laughs> but so i know right? people are probably like oh, they don't know every character's name they didn't even watch it three times hell. <laughs> um, but so i don't know how true this is where you live but in my section of the country and on the West Coast, there's this tendency to, when you're around our age, to get a job, and no matter how shitty the job is, to, like, commit to being, like, an employee of that company or an employee of that job, if that makes any sense. Like, for example, I... I feel like that's a kind of a old-school way to go about things. Well, it... It can be, but in the way that it happens now with people our age, it's almost like brainwashing, if that makes any sense. So, for, yeah. for example, when I, I was, I want to say, like, when I was 24, because I had a um, friend slash crush who was 25. Um, um, listening out there? She might be, so... No, um, but and she probably already figured it out if she's listening. So hi, um, sh- we were part of this like really, really, really shitty like internet startup marketing bullshit thing. It was run by this guy who was an actual cokehead. Like he, we were a hundred thousand percent certain that he did cocaine. All the time. Um. But like. He would. In his like more. Lucid moments. Would like. Like take us out for drinks. And like do all this. Try to do all this company stuff. To get us to like buy into being part of the company. Meanwhile. All of us were smart enough to just be like. This place is bullshit. But they give me a paycheck every month. So it's fine. But that process oftentimes involves, like, breaking you down and saying, like, no, your personal life doesn't matter. 
this is what matters, and then building you into, like, the perfect employee, basically. And that's kind of what Reagan tried to do with Mob, and then when Mob is like, no, fuck you, I'm going bowling, I told you, I told you I have plans. Reagan just, like, doesn't know what to do with himself. He's like, oh, fuck! And uh, I think, I don't remember if he just, like, was busy at the time, or if he temporarily quit, but Reagan, <laughs> he broke down. He was completely lost. Like, he became extremely depressed. He started going to the bar. He tried to start up some other kind of con. And, like, it just, that's why I was saying, like, his identity and, like, who he is as a person, like, the best person he can be is really tied to his relationship with Mob. And even though Mob's mother and father are present in the series, which is a little weird for an anime. (laughs) Um, A little weird for you to have a fully functioning family. Reagan really plays a good father role model goal uh a role for mob well because the so Reagan tries to be this like con man and he he's like cle- clearly thinks he's pulling one over on mob, but effectively like when they show that flashback to why Reagan kept doing his fake psychic thing you realize that Reagan was like, yo, this kid's fucking dangerous. <laughs> like, if this kid doesn't have some kind of, any kind of just very basic, very just like, don't burn ants with the magnifying glass, you psychopath, kind of like, guidance, he's gonna end up like Darth Vader and kill people. <laughs> but I also need to get my business running very good. Yeah, but also, like, <laughs> I can definitely use this. And yeah, so, like... He's, he's not a terrible guy. He's not a complete, just, like, shithead con man. He's actually a really caring, sweet guy. And... and it, he's, It's like he's trying his best to play the shitty con man role, but he just can't help but be sweet and caring. Yeah, and also, like... If he was going to be... Something that people don't think about with Reagan is if he was going to be just a con man and con people entirely out of their money, there is way easier ways to do that in Japan right now that don't involve, like, a job where you have to help people and, like, where you have to settle for vegetables as payment and all this other shit. He could very easily just be like, what if I sold people apartments? What if I sold people overpriced shoebox apartments? What if I just did that? But no, he continues to like be in a position where people come to him for help. And because he has Mob as an employee, lots of times, if they need real help, he gets Mob to do it. But if they don't, he tells them a white lie to make them feel like it's done. 
Yeah, like when he does a seance pretending to be a dead family member and he tries his best. Oh, or like um that 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 um as the episode where those like asshole college kids show up and they're like, "We want to commemorate this with a spooky photo." He's just like, okay. Like, I might as well be these people's babysitter. And then when something goes wrong, and they're like, you gotta banish the ghost because we can't sleep at night. He basically is like, this seems like your fault. I'm not gonna have my assistant do this because he definitely doesn't want to and fuck off. And it's just, it's, It's a portrayal of, like, real humanity and, like, a complicated person that lots of times people don't want to give to those characters, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, Reagan is amazing. I think two of, as far as the fights go, my two favorite moments in Mob Psycho, of course, is um, that basically like the second to last fight that happens in season two when it's like all of the like all of our protagonists and side characters versus that one guy and he is spanking everybody yeah and then um whenever mob transfers his powers to reagan oh yeah holy shit that was amazing i like the the like overweight psychic guy with dimples powers Versus the dragger. That was like that was like episode one, and that was like, oh, we're doing this now. Let's go. Oh man! And uh, the speech that Reagan gives to those psychics when he after he whoops their ass with Mob's powers is like insanely impactful. Like as far as the monologues go in Mob Psycho, by far. Reagan is the best. Like, oh, totally. Just and- the, the way that he words things. And I love that you can, like, it's one guy writing this, but it doesn't seem like all of them are kind of coming from the same person's uh, point of view. Like, whenever you're, you're writing characters, sometimes it's hard to put yourself in the shoes of somebody else. No, like, no, totally, um, totally. Like someone, I'm not hating on him, but Masashi Kishimoto, the mangaka for Naruto, typically very bad at writing female characters. So there's a reason for that. And do you want to know why? Because kind of like, it'll make your heart sing a little bit. (laughs) When he originally wrote Sakura, he thought he had it nailed. Like he thought he had nailed it to the wall. And he had, like, created one of the all-time great female characters. And then the entire fan base was like, she's fucking useless and we hate her. And he was just, like, so sad. <laughs> just, I think in interviews still, he's like, I really wanted that to work out. And then it didn't. And it still makes yeah, me sad. It's not just Sakura. Like, Eno... 
they're just like terrible stereotypes of what a dude, a grown man would think a teenage girl would act. Yeah. And he like, no matter how much I love Hinata, same with her. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Tamari is actually one of my favorite female characters in Naruto. And uh, Tsunade is really complex too. Well, the thing was, so this happens with shonen anime a lot, and it's the reason why um, My Hero Academia runs on a seasonal schedule instead of like a never an endless schedule like Black Clover. It's the reason why most of them do now. Actually, it's because I think it's better. The well, it is better because the expanse of time, and I'm working on a panel. I'm gonna eventually start working on a panel about this. Um, but the expanse of time that is all those episodes creates so much space that you have to fill in constantly that, like, stuff like tropes and, you know, stereotypes and all that stuff that you would, you could use to tell a story in, like, a contained season, and that goes away for a while, and you're like, oh, we're back here now, that's fine just works oh, that's against you because every week you're back in the saddle and you're like, oh, fucking, fucking talk at full volume, Hinata. God damn it. Whereas... That's another thing that um I really like about Mob Psycho, but uh I'll finish that thought whenever you're done. Sorry. Um, so, like, the reason why, you know, Bleach and Naruto and Dragon Ball Z have such full-feeling world, well, maybe not Dragon Ball Z, that's a different thing, but why they have such full-feeling worlds... Dragon Ball. (laughs) um, They have been running forever. Like, they all run for endless amounts of time. Even more so with One Piece. So, like, all that world-building has to be done, but the characters need to either stay completely absolutely consistent like Luffy does like Luffy has spikes of like anger when they kidnap Nami in like um strong world or something <laughs> and then goes back to baseline or they need to have some kind of character progression to avoid from not feeling stale and annoying the way yeah. they do fem- the female characters at least do in Naruto because if you look at a fe- at like a female character, they're almost always in Naruto. They're almost always ser- defined by their relationship with another with a male character. For Sakura, it's yeah. Naruto for Sakura, it's um Sasuke. For Hinata, it's Naruto. For Tamari, it's um what's his face um. Shikamaru. Shikamaru. Well, I mean, that happens, like, late. It, it, it happens later, yeah, but but it's definitely there from, like, the second you see them both on screen, you're like, oh, they gon' bang. And what's interesting <laughs> about Eno... Damn, those 12-year-olds are gonna fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's interesting about Eno... Is they You're like, like, don't say it like that. Didn't, <laughs> if they didn't really have anybody to put her with, 
So they just put her with Thai. You know what would have been cool as shit? If Eno was just like, I adopted a kid, and I'm a single mom. Oh, right, because, like, side... Well, I don't know. They kind of flirted it a little bit in Shippuden, like, yeah. shortly after Sai was introduced. That's something that's understandable, but... Like, uh, like, it makes sense if you look at it, but it just also feels like, oh, we forgot about Eno. So, the <laughs> the thing about a lot of those Shonen series... Um, like, the characters start out being completely influenced by the world around them, and it goes and flips to a point where they're more neutral, and uh, they are influencing the world around them. Uh, Luffy has always been a neutral character. He's never been affected. Well, I mean, he has been affected by the outside world, like, you know, Ace dying and all of those shenanigans. But for the most part, Luffy's character, the point of him is to influence the world and the people around him. And uh, Goku has also become one of those characters. In Dragon Ball, he was kind of more being pulled around by the world around him no totally so like same with naruto but uh what mob psycho does fantastic is that uh every character like reagan to a point is neutral but mob is basically completely influenced by his surroundings And that's what pushes, like, all of the characters in Mob Psycho. Well, and that's like a kid, right? Like, he's he's always... Get, he, no matter how confident you are as, like, a middle schooler, you're not going to be, like... You're not going to seriously know what you're doing if you're, like, trying to run the world. You know, D- Detective Conan did not exist. It's all like, you know, kids trying to do their fucking best. Yeah, man, I like how they're like, in Detective Conan, he wants to get his adult body back, but when he turned into a kid, wasn't he only like 17? He was like, yeah, he was like 17 or some shit. You're not an adult yet. (laughs) And how has Detective Conan been running for so long and he's just stuck? In like the same age body, like he's asked to catch him. They keep knocking that one guy out. Like someone was like, "Yo, they keep knocking that one detective out. He probably has brain damage by now." Holy shit! I know, right? But um, so it's just it's not. It's like not abnormal for you to be like. Cause like, so I'm gonna throw something out, and I anticipate you haven't seen it. Have you ever seen his and her circumstances? Nope, I've it's heard a, of it. It's a Ronin. It's a romance show made by the same people who made Evangelion. Okay. But there's a there's a scene in there where, you know, the you see the main 
the the main female character, and she has these two younger sisters. And her younger sisters are in middle school, and she's in high school. And they say something about middle school, and she's just like, Ah, I miss middle school, when they did everything for me, and I didn't have to worry about fucking anything. And that's really true. Like, starting at high school, you have actual, you start to have, like, actual problems that could, like, slot into the real world. But for most people, when they're in middle school, they're like, life is still controlled for them. You know, they're told what classes to go to, they're told when to eat lunch. For me, it was 10 o'clock in the morning, because there is no God. Um, They're told, like, like, here's all the stuff you do on your free time, because here's nine piles of homework. There's so much controlling your life that it just like you're like on a roller coaster and you're going along a rail when you're in middle school and that's what it kind of feels like is happening a mob constantly he's like oh this is what I'm supposed to be doing apparently and I'm here now what that guy said turn on psychic powers okay and then like he moves on to the next stop on like the Disney ride. Yeah, and like we are saying where he's being broken down in the first season and then the second season he's coming into himself. If they do a Mob Psycho 3, I think we're going to see Mob as more of a character that is better at influencing the world around him. Even though he's always been that, He's yeah. always been struggling internally. I think that if they did a season three, you would see somebody who... Like, a, a mob who's A-okay with saying no to people. Be okay with, like... But also okay with, like, doing things for people. Not, But it feels less like they're being used. Like, he's being used and more like he's intentionally being like, okay... I'll do this. And then, like, we're good. Because it, it, like, until the middle of season two, Reagan really just used Mob as, like, a a tool to, like, make more money. Yeah, he kind of had, I mean, it's sad that this is the way it has to happen for a lot of people, but he kind of had to lose Mob for a little bit to realize his real relationship with him and like how much he means to him. Well, I think, I think at the point the I think when he, he realized it when mob didn't want to banish that like family of spirits that were just trying to like live together in happiness. Cause they died really early on. They lost their kid really early on in life in like their marriage or whatever. I think he noticed that. But he he was just stubborn because the th- the thing about the thing that makes Reagan a good con man is that he commits to the lie. Like it, it, he he never believes it, but he commits to it all the way, like he did on that episode where the old psychic asshole dude got him a spot on the television show, and he had to like um exercise that kid that kid who was an actor oh yeah that was when he was 
and it was like all a setup, and that's when he was really being broken down. Yeah, and but like he was like, okay, I know how this works. I've seen TV. I'll say something. I'll say like after a certain amount of time, the kid will just snap out of it, and it'll be fine. And so he committed to the lie so hard that he didn't see that he was totally fucking set up. And I think that's probably what happened with Mob, is he, like, he was so committed to the lie of running his sham thing that he was like, no, Mob needs to, like, like, I need to have this stranglehold on him, or else this doesn't work, and I can't allow that to happen. And when Mob left, he, like, he worked it out. He just, like, downgraded from, like, real psychic shit to, like, bullshit psychic shit. And he made tons of fucking money. Um. <laughs> he was doing really well there for a minute. But he also realized that, um, so at first he kind of wanted to be a moral compass for Mob but also still use him to make money. And um, I think he really realized how his full relationship with Mob is after all of those moments. Well, I, I think also the, like, the, like, expert thing about Reagan is that he, he realizes how bullshit all those, like, moral compass moments are. Like, his... His big speech at the end of season one, all of his, like, little quips and, like, jabs for, towards Mob in season two are all these, like, inspirational, thoughtful, like, meaningful things. But they're bullshit. And one of the, um, one of the tricks to actual psychic reading is that you give some, is that you give people something that is so bland but sounds substantial that they can link it to anything in their lives. Oh yeah. So like you tell somebody like, I see, I see a, a person in your future who cares about you deeply. And I see that you got it's... them electronically. You basically just told that person to go find a hookup on a dating app. Like, come on. Yeah. But I mean, that's like, how Reagan tries to run his business. Yeah, and, like, he... If you notice, the psychic jobs he takes after Mob is, like, on sabbatical, because Mob... Mob n never said that he's gonna leave, like, he's gonna quit. He just says, like, I need to figure some stuff out. I'm gonna take a break from going to Reagan's for a little bit. And, see, and like... See, and see and see what happens. And um Reagan like downgrades to like all the stuff like everybody thinks that this one player in this MMO is a ghost. Like all this like really little inconsequential national inquirer bullshit. And it's it he's like reminded like, oh yeah. That's right. This is all bullshit. One of the reasons why I liked being with Mob was because I got to see, like, real psychic. I got to see the real shit. And I'll ne like, 
I'll never get to see that because and I'll never get to like hang out with him because he mobs his friend and the thing about con men is their social circle is by design very small. Because the more people know about the con, the more people will say things to other people about the con. Unless you, unless they're all, unless they all get a cut. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Like in a, in a, in a in a heist movie. All the crew members aren't just doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They all get a cut of the profits. Um, and Reagan had like unless you're, unless you're Robin Hood, I don't know who's heisting out of the goodness of their heart. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, by the way, if people haven't seen the heist episode of Rick and Morty, where they like make a spoof on heist movies, it's hysterical. I watched it, I think, a couple days ago. It was... <laughs> it was a robot hypnotizing people, and they turned, and then the, the people would turn the robot and go, you son of a bitch, what's the score? I'm in. Just, like, over and over and over again. Making me sad. I haven't been able to watch any of the new Rick and Morty episodes. <laughs> I, um... So there's a thing with snakes, and that's all I'm gonna tell you. But somehow I find the time to watch ten of the winter 2020 anime. <laughs> like I said, good luck with that. With three of them on my plate, I get to watch all the Rick and Morty I want. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> you, you, you do but that. um, so I think Mob Psycho 100, if we're gonna wrap this up, yeah, does something that no other anime that maybe has ever come out does. It's something very special, and it feels original, even though it's playing off of concepts that have come before it, and um. If you haven't watched it and we just completely spoiled the fuck out of it and you don't mind, I think you're gonna love it regardless. This is I'm honestly kind of my final thoughts. It doesn't matter what you... It doesn't matter that you know key points about this show. The experience of watching the show is important enough to like go and seek it out and go watch it. It's it's a an impeccable piece of art and animation because it's so beautifully done and b it's not about the like destination or even the waypoints along the way it's the, it's like the whole journey of the show it's watching from episode 1 to episode 20 to, I'm going to include the OVA in this to episode like 26 because the OVA I'm including cuz I think that's important yeah, and seeing the whole the whole like arc of the show and arc of the characters, specifically Mob and Reagan, kind of in unison for the whole show, and it it just it's fantastic. It truly is a wonderful anime, 
I rated it in my top five of the decade for a reason. And last year, by far, it took the number one spot. For me, Mob Psycho will always be special in my heart. And I could go back and rewatch it time and time again. Until then, I am still going to be hoping for a season three announcement, though. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. I've, I've, I've never read. I've never actually read any mob, so I don't know what else there is there. But I'm sure they could do something. Yeah, um, same. And on that note, so where can people find you elsewhere on the internet, Slate? Um, I really don't use a lot of my personal stuff. Mostly, you can just search Slate D Biggs or Anime MCS, and I'll come up. But uh, primarily, I do YouTube. I need to find a way to make my like Instagram and Twitter more personable because I'm just like posting links to my videos <laughs> and nothing much else. But I don't want to be one of those snobby people that's like, I don't know, sharing my opinion on the new Smash Bros. DLC, how it's trash and this anime is trash and, oh, Demon Slayer won animation of the year. Wow. These are the most terrible awards I've ever seen. It's like they don't really even watch anime. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like that's how a lot of the anime influencers are. Well, I, I think that's because... It's toxic to me. I think that's because anime is popular now. Like, I I remember when I was in middle school, when I was in specifically grade school and middle school, anime was a weird niche thing, and me and all my friends were, like, smuggling fucking manga in backpacks and, like, reading it and, like, reading it, like, reading it inside of our textbooks because we didn't want to get caught in the middle of class, reading Love Hina like I did one time, and my teacher respond like responds with, "Is that porn? Because it looks like porn, and you need to put that <laughs> away before I take it away from you." Damn! And then everybody's just looking at you like, so, "What the fuck?" This was the weird thing. Later on in my primary school in career in high school, I had someone say to me. No, but it's cool when you read manga, Alex. I'm like, what? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> that, I, huh? Damn, yeah. It's not. Uh, anime is a lot more accepted now. Back when I was in middle school, um, I was watching it before it debuted in English dub, but... Basically, I fell completely in love with Naruto, and I'd already watched like all of part one before it even started dubbing, and I had like a replica Naruto jacket. And in, in, in like elementary school, I'm watching like middle middle sections of Sailor Moon on like weekend programming blocks in the afternoon, being like. Yeah, they don't seem like sisters. I'm like, 
like hey are you 12? sure that that dude and that chick are cousins <laughs> exactly. like i'm like this seems fishy this don't smell right but okay but yeah, cartoon network anime and try and normalize it more or like put some kind of dumb spin on it a lot of the dubs would back in the day but there's just a really bad perception of anime and especially like kids my age back then when i was like walking around wearing my naruto jacket or i'd be drawing my own manga i would get made fun of like someone stole my whole notebook of manga that i drew i was making my own basic like naruto ripoff manga and they scribbled over all of the characters and wrote different things in the bubbles with pen and it it basically like destroyed my passion for like wanting to continue to draw my manga cuz i was like well what's the fucking point now and like i got called like gay and all kinds of stuff for wearing like my anime stuff or even like you know i was an emo kid back in the day. Um, probably still now forever. I but, went through uh, a phase where I looked, where I looked like, as my friend put it, a professional murderer. <laughs> Cause Dude, probably not as bad as me. I wore trip pants. I wore trip pants. I wore nothing but black for like a solid five year chunk. But I also had an Afro that went like a full like foot and a half out from my head. Cause you wanted to grow your hair out and make it long. But. So like, so like, <laughs> but also I'm half black. So there's like no way it's ever falling down unless it's like a fallen over Afro situation. So like I'm walking to school and all you see is big, long black coat, giant black pants, freaking doc Martin. And just like deathly Afro. And, Jingling chains everywhere you yes. walk. For no reason. <laughs> yeah, your and wallet had like three like, chains on it. Your trip pants are covered in chains. Dude, you look like a murderer. And I'm just <laughs> like, what? But I would also wear skinny pants and legit, they just didn't make skinny seamed pants for boys. So oh, no. I would literally if I wear girl pants. It would, and for a while, and I got made fun of so hard for it. Like, hey, can this skirt have legs? <laughs> like, that's how wide my pants were at one point. But we can tie this back to Mob in that I can like the things that I like and be the person that I want to be. And no matter what anyone says, as long as I accept that I am the way that I am and I just find a way to tune out other people. I can find happiness. Like you shouldn't be ashamed of the way you are just like you shouldn't get too sucked into who you are and start believing that you are more powerful or better than somebody because you have more money or you were just born in a better position and you don't see eye to eye with people that grew up struggling and uh it's all about communication and finding 
a way to level yourself out with everyone and realize that we're all in this together. Whatever this crazy shit is that is going on right now that allows us to be born and make anime and be hateful or uh, show people love or talk over the internet about anime and things you love. We're all in this together and you're not any better or worse than others unless you blow people up and rape people and stuff. I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give you a cut on that one. You should probably (laughs) stop. that. (laughs) Uh, How about nosy? Um, so I think that's a good place to like end it. And on that note, if you like this podcast, usually it's just me. Usually it's not Slate, but I encourage you to check out the rest of the podcast feed. Also, definitely check out Slate's videos on YouTube at Anime MCS. I like watching his videos a lot. I think you will too. And until next time, I've been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio with special guest Slate. D-Biggs. And I will talk at you later.